This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is bonus episode 110. I'm your host Duncan McLeish and welcome to the show. On bonus episode 110 we continue our look at the 31 of October. An official list selected by myself of 31 horror movies from this year I had not seen. Um, pivoted more towards streaming services this year although there are a couple of physical copy titles in there um, and the movies that have been announced on streaming sites since the creation of the movies have made small bonus episodes in between please see Sunday's episode on Terrified and this coming Thursday's episode on Satan's Slaves both both available on Shudder for um, for those missing gaps where you think to yourself Duncan could have picked that movie instead of this well, yeah, I probably could have, but I didn't know those movies were out when I created my list. Now, we've already put out one of these. It was last Tuesday, and uh, we covered movies one through seven. On this episode, we are going to be doing the next seven movies. So that is movies eight through 14. So you will be on this episode getting reviews of The Devil and Father Amorth, Stillborn, Selfie from Hell, The Lodgers, Apostle, Mon 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 Monsters, and Cargo. That's right. That's your next seven movies for review on this episode. But before we get into that, this is the second episode of a four-episode week. Yesterday, we dropped our next instalment of Basilween. It was episode number three, and the Baz was looking at Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. Coming up on Thursday, you have a very special bonus episode looking at another Shudder exclusive. This one is Satan Slaves. And on Sunday, we take a look at the 88 Films Italian Collection looking at Hands of Steel. Cannot wait for that movie. It looks absolutely fucking batshit cray-cray in a way that only I can love. And hopefully you will as well. Um, 80s Nonsense, Cyborgs, Sergio Martino and George Eastman who is not happy right now? Well, Claudio Simonetti's doing the score as well. Boom! Mind just fucking blown. So there we go. That's uh, what is coming up. Um, it is also worthwhile at this point kicking out a little update in terms of the Bazoine enamel pins. We are currently sitting about 30 out of the 50 sold. And if you're holding off, don't hold off much longer. Um, they will be getting posted out on the 28th of October, currently being created just now, moulded by the tiny nimble hands of hopefully not children in China, but that's when we're having them done, and then they'll be flown over here by courier, and then given the loving seal to be sent out from myself to your clothing, your pin boards, wherever your pins are going, 
that's where they're going. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to sending them out. Only 20 left. Do not delay. Get yours today. You can do that by going to teapotscast.com and then clicking the merch tab or going direct to teapotscast.bigcartel.com. Right, I am taking my first break of this episode. You're going to hear promos for shows that I love. You're going to hear a little bit of music. And when we return, it's the next seven movies of the official 2018 Teapots, 31 of October. All that and more coming up right after this. Hey everybody, this is Tim Dorn. My name is Gareth Evans. Hi, I'm Nacho Vigalondo, director of Time Crimes and Open Windows. Hey, this is Graham Skipper. Hola, soy Macarena Gomez. Hello, this is number one New York Times bestselling author Scott Sigler. Yo, monkeys, it's me, D-D-P. And you are listening to The Little Pod of Horrors. Which, as you know, is the best damn idea since premarital sex on Halloween. Jason Voorhees! It'll make you come hard. And that's not a bad thing. That monkey is a good thing. Bam! You can find The Little Pot of Horrors on simplysyndicated.com and on iTunes. Here it is again, and it stings like the first time. Seems it never ends. Double nickels on your dime.
At the time I directed the film, The Exorcist, I had never seen the real thing. But on May 1st, 2016, Father Gabriela Amort, the Vatican exorcist, invited me to witness an actual exorcism. I had no idea what to expect. The more you open yourself to thinking about this stuff, and you start feeling about this stuff, the more room you allow for the supernatural power of evil to come in. If we don't understand it, that doesn't mean it doesn't exist. There's a dimension of this world that is strange and beyond our capacity to control. Can I know how to treat it? No. So something is happening to her, it's clear. But maybe she puts into it the religious context in which she grew up. Because they believe, obviously, they know what's wrong with her. She's possessed by the devil. I think that's a very dangerous thing, getting in close quarters with the devil. People like Father Amorth maybe can do that. I would never dare to do it. This is not fiction. It's different from all the movies. And I was there to film it. And welcome back. So movie number one, you just heard the trailer for it. Movie number one, which is technically movie number eight of our 31 of October, was available on Netflix. It was a documentary. It was The Devil and Father Amorth. Now, this is written and directed by William Friedkin, co-written by um, movie critic on probably the biggest movie review show on podcasts, uh, Mark Kermode. Uh, the movie starred Gabriel Amorth, Robert Barn, William Friedkin. There was like archival footage of William Peter Blatty and some other folks as well. And the synopsis for this one, short and sweet, is Father Gabriel Amorth performs his ninth exorcism on an Italian woman. Um, where to begin with this one? Um, this is not what I was hoping for, let's put it that way. At first, I thought what we were going to get is, you know, a, a more kind of cynical look at exorcism by a director who I genuinely think is one of the great talents of cinema. I think William Friedkin, for all his maybe slight missteps, has put a whole lot of good out into the world in terms of cinema. Uh, some of his best are the best of all time. And I had kind of hoped, kind of hoped that what you were going to get is a more kind of cynical look or maybe even a more objective look into the world of exorcism. So Freaking got a chance to uh, film and follow the foremost exorcist of the Vatican, a guy called uh, Father Gabriel Amorth, as he performed his ninth exorcism on the same woman. Um, and what we got here is a, a documentary that's about an hour long when you take the credits off either side uh, the first 15 minutes is really him treading back over how The Exorcist was made speaking to people that were involved with The Exorcist process and all the rest so you get a, a kind of a little bit of his background of where he's coming from we then get a good 25 minutes maybe of exorcism footage on this poor woman um, and there's a lot of 
controversy surrounding this particular movie in that some people think it's doctored. Some people think they doctor the the uh, audio on it to make her sound possessed. If they did that, it is done very, very, very well. I mean, like, of the highest quality audio studio standard ever because they've isolated just her sound and then put an effect on it and everything else isn't affected from what seems to be one microphone source, which I don't know how you do that. Um, so if they did it, they did it very well. But... Uh, human beings can make weird and wonderful noises, so I don't think that's enough to prove anything. Freakin' basically just, and he does this a lot, and this is one of the things I don't like about him. I've seen Freakin' interview a lot of other directors, and what he starts to do is very quickly, because he's a, he's a famous person, he very quickly pivots things back to himself. Um, and he's a bit of a bully and hearing him interview people like psychologists, Friedkin doesn't have the the credentials of these uh, psychiatrists or psychologists or even some of these religious people but he kind of bashes them with his own interpretation of what's happening um, and the biggest kind of fuck you moment of this movie is the, the bit where he is supposedly going to reveal vital information he tells us that he wasn't allowed to take a camera in so he recalls from memory what happened in a documentary that's not allowed especially if you're the documentary filmmaker i cannot take you as uh you know an impartial witness to something that is happening here if you then feed me events which i cannot corroborate with my own eyes or audio or something it's you telling me something it's a very sensationalized trashy documentary um, and something that I think is very much beneath Friedkin, and I, I, I am confused as to why his name is on it. Uh, there is nothing here that makes me believe that exorcisms are real, or here to to kind of make me think that my opinion is is wrong either, or right. It, it, it toes a very weird, trashy line, and um, yeah, it got to the end of it, and I just kind of felt like this is a, a, a little bit of exploitative documentary filmmaking that you would expect to see in the 70s under a Mondo tab. Uh, yeah, this was not very good at all. Um, in terms of Netflix grades for The Devil and Father Amorth, I would give it a 2 out of 5. 2 out of 5 for this movie. Must try harder, uh, William Friedkin. If you're going to do this, you are the guy. When it comes, The Exorcist is the movie. You are the guy and you cheapen it with this sort of output. So yeah, there we go, 2 out of 5 on the Netflix scale for The Devil and Father Amorth over on Netflix.
First time I saw it, I was just standing there watching her. I thought it was a voice in my head. What did it say? You have to make a choice, Mary. It's your baby. Voices. Hallucinations. You've lost touch with reality. Mary, it's all in your head. Next, we're swinging it to um, Shudder. So this is a Shudder movie. Uh, this is Stillborn. And yeah, <laughs> uh, Stillborn uh, was directed by Brandon Christensen. Um, and from what I can gather, Christensen hasn't really done that much, if we're, if we're being honest. It's mostly shorts. He looks like he's bringing a movie called Z out next. Don't know what that means, don't know much about it at all. Couldn't find much about it, so we will skip past it. He also wrote it, and the movie starred uh, Christy Burke, Jesse Moss, uh, Rebecca Olsen, Jane Griffin, Michael Ironside has a small role in this movie as Dr. Nielsen, uh, Sheila McCartney, uh, Sean Rogerson, other folk. Let's just skip through this. Uh, the synopsis for this one is listed on IMDb is Mary, a new mother, gives birth to twins, but only one of them is alive. While taking care of her living child, Adam, she suspects that something, a supernatural entity, has chosen him and will stop at nothing to take him from her. So yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and say that this week has not been the greatest week for Duncan Picks. Um, I obviously tried to cover as many of the streaming sites as as available in the UK as possible, uh, picking titles that had come out this year. And uh, Stillborn didn't look great, and turns out was maybe worse than I thought. Uh, the acting in this movie is not great. Um, the concept I thought was pretty cool, and, and to be honest with you, there was one thing I really liked, I'm going to pivot to this one thing I really liked and then I'm going to go back to bashing it. The creepy old woman demon entity sort of thing that is in the house, you get to see all of about two minutes footage of collectively of her and she's fucking terrifying and it's really 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 well done and I really really liked that and I thought that was awesome. Out with that, this movie covers almost every cliche that has been done in this kind of devil is coming from my baby sort of genre of movie. Uh, like I say, the acting, not great. The dialogue is actually probably why the acting is not great. 
Um, the movie wasn't even all that long. It was under an hour and a half and it felt like it was going on and on forever. I saw how this movie was going to turn out about the halfway mark, yet it plodded along. There are some moments in this movie that are absolutely 100% laughable um, in their execution. There's one particular scene where our main character is locked up in the in a hospital and she has an iPad so she can track what's happening in her house and she sees her, her husband start to make out with the next door neighbour and this you know prompts her to you know and then she also sees someone trying to come after her baby. So she rips the IV from her arm and then literally minutes later she's at her house. Doesn't make any sense. She doesn't ride by car either. She apparently runs there in a nighty um, yeah, no, fuck this movie. Uh, that's not the grade. Um, it's it's shot competently. Um, to be honest, the effects in the movie were actually a lot better than what I thought they were going to be. But it's, it's rehashed and it's regurgitated versions of things we've seen done a lot better. And there's nothing really to hang your hat on. And when you're watching a movie, if you're watching any movie, and you want to try and get invested in something you need to give me something to get invested with there is literally no likable character in this movie uh, even the baby is pretty reprehensible I don't even like the baby in this movie and Michael Iron says you can do better you're better than this sir you are better than this you're brilliant you're the best thing in this movie for the two minutes that you're in it um, yeah it, it just kind of came went like a like a kind of wet fart in the wind and um, yeah there's nothing to really recommend this movie to anyone for uh, and thus far this particular week started off with two duds um, this one gets uh, a two as well I'll give it a, a, a two out of five uh, I like the creepy woman and I like Michael Ironside that's a star each for that the rest of it is pretty bad two out of five stars for Stillborn available on Shudder something happened? I don't know. It's Julia. She's been so scared. Smile. No. Why don't you go upstairs? I'll make us some tea and we can talk. something to do with her darknet research. The darknet is an old playground. What are we looking for? Selfie from hell. Under any circumstance, do not watch all 13 selfies. If you do, something evil that's already set his eyes on you. You didn't give any personal data away, right? No. And up next, we turn our attention to, wait for it, Selfie from Hell, right? Well, this is available on Netflix. 
Um, and this is up there. This, ladies and gents, is up there beside The Slender Man as one of the worst movies I have seen this year. Um, apparently it's only available on UK Netflix, so you guys out in the States have dodged a fucking bullet. Well and truly dodged a bullet. Um, this one is written and directed by Erdol Salen. And the movie stars Alison Walker, Tony Giroux, uh, Milan Adams, Ian Butcher, Tyler E. H. Smith, Sean Morse, Matthew Graham, Stephanie Gooden and other folks in this particular movie are going to be not named. Uh, synopsis for this one. After her cousin comes to visit and falls ill, a woman starts to receive strange cell phone messages. Yeah, this movie is like... You know when you see those really bad shorts on on YouTube, like those really bad ones where it's like someone's taking their first stab at doing a, you know, someone's trying their first stab at, a, at some sort of horror content, but they, you know they've got like very basic iMovie or something, and they're trying to do all their their special effects and stuff on there. Uh, and they are more interested in that as opposed to interested in anything else. That is what this movie is. But this movie is an hour and 13 minutes long. Uh, the acting is fucking hellish. Absolutely hellish. Um, the plot makes zero sense. Like, like, absolutely no sense at all. There is nothing in this movie that is meriting your time i'm not even really going to go further into any sort of detail with it because this movie doesn't deserve it avoid like the fucking plague um selfie from hell is awarded the coveted teapots zero stars fuck this movie oh my god hang your head in shame anyone involved with this project and how the fuck did this get on netflix how did this get on netflix I don't understand, you know, why are Netflix not financing Hannibal Season 4 and instead putting on Selfie from Hell on there? The exposure you give this movie in the UK is ridiculous compared to the effort actually made in creating this movie. Terrible, terrible, terrible movie. I, I, I really can't say enough bad things about it. Uh, it's, it's awful. So there we go. Yeah, zero out of five our first fuck this movie for this 31 of october yay available on netflix but don't seek it out that was selfie from hell we came to this place and shut ourselves away so nobody would know what we are every sound the house makes i hear them they won't wait much longer do you believe that two people can do something so, so unnatural that it leaves a stain on them? And that the stain goes on to their children? Into their children's children? to us and we to it.
I won't stay and become what they did. I know what you're like, you and your family. And you think I don't know what goes on in that place? There's no name for what we are. And we're keeping on that Netflix train. Uh, next up is The Lodgers. Now, this movie I should have seen uh, during Glasgow Fright Fest. This was opening the the fest alongside um, Ghost Stories. Missed both of them because of the hellacious snow that fell in Scotland. Uh, it's finally made its way to Netflix, much to my happiness. Um, the movie is directed by Brian O'Malley and written by David Turpin. The cast list for this movie is Charlotte Vega, Bill Milner, uh, Eugene Simon, David Bradley, Deirdre O'Kane, Mo Dunford, Rosalind Murphy, Brendan O'Rourke. Um, synopsis for this one is listed on IMDb. It is in 1920s rural Ireland, Anglo-Irish twins Rachel and Edward share a strange existence in their crumbling family estate. Each night the property becomes the domain of a sinister presence, the Lodgers, which enforce three rules upon the twin. They must be in bed by midnight, they may not permit an outsider to pass the threshold. If one attempts to escape, the life of the other is placed in jeopardy. When troubled war veteran Sean returns to the nearby village, this is like War and Peace, by the way, he immediately draws. He's immediately drawn to the mysterious Rachel, who in turn breaks the rules uh, set out by the lodgers. The consequence pull Rachel into a deadly confrontation with her brother and with the curse that haunts them. Right. I, I actually really like this movie, but it has some issues. Let's get the issues out the way first, and then we can concentrate on why I really like the movie. Big issue is, this movie is an hour and a half long, and it feels about two hours. There are some pacing issues in this movie, and it's not the, well, it's a slow burn story, because it isn't, isn't a slow burn story, because there's plenty of reveals of the kind of lodgers, so to speak, in this movie early on. Uh, if you're doing that, you're not slow burning. Your, your slow burn is to build up the anticipation of what you're going to see, as opposed to peppering it through quite steadily through the, the you know the, the parts of this movie. It just felt really, really long. Um, that being said, taking that aspect out, it is beautifully shot. It's wonderfully acted. I really liked the script and I really liked the story. I thought the special effects were great. So a real sense of gothic cinema in here, like kind of old school kind of gothic cinema. And I loved that. I thought the attention to detail in the period set was done excellent. I thought the score just accentuated everything brilliantly. Um, I thought just the premise was really cool. I loved this idea of you know, fuck with us and we will fuck with your your sibling sort of sort of attitude. My only my only kinda my only kind of reservation on the whole experience of watching the Lodgers is that I already saw the Marabone this year. Um, the Secret of the Marabone, which is a similar movie of sorts to The Lodgers in a lot of respects, and it does it about a hundred times better, and that's no slight against The Lodgers, like I say, it does a whole hell of a lot well, I just think The Marabone does um, everything just a bit better uh, on every front, and that's a movie that didn't feel long at all, I think it's actually longer than this movie. 
so yeah there's a whole lot to enjoy in here if you like kind of gothic ghost story cinema it delivers a, a, a lot of bang for your buck here um, the big kind of negative slight against it is that it's just it feels too long there's something going on with the pacing or the way it's edited that it feels so long we spend a bit too much time with characters that are inconsequential to the overall plot and I think that's where I, I, I came back down having watched it thinking you know this movie must be close to the two hour mark and then seeing at the end of it that it's actually only about an hour and a half so yeah in terms of grades for this one I guess a 3.5 out of 5 from me almost a 4 and I actually genuinely think when I watch this movie again somewhere down the line I will enjoy it a bit more uh, and probably raise that to a 4 but in its current steading it's a 3.5 out of 5 for The Lodgers available on Netflix Thomas, your sister, she's gone. These people, they're blasphemers, a cult, a disease. Bring her home. Name, Thomas Richardson. I dream of a world in which each waking day we rise equal. This island, it's our paradise. We have an intruder on our land. We have to find him. Your eyes. They've seen things. Who are you? He shall be cleansed according to the edict of this land. Of the divine is but an illusion. God is pain. God is suffering. Beware false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravening wolves. Let us begin. So let's swing it to what was Friday's movie. Um, Friday's movie was a little film by the name of Apostle. It was released on Friday the 12th of October as well, so it coincided quite well. Sometimes my list does that. Um, Apostle was written and directed by the great Gareth Evans, he of The Raid and The Raid 2 fame. Um, it is... I believe it's his first full-on horror movie, although he did a short uh, for um, VHS2, which I think is fucking incredible. And this is, I think, also his first full English language movie. Once again, I might be wrong about that one, but I think it is. This is one of the heavy hitters coming to Netflix over October that I was really looking forward to. This and uh, Hold the Dark by directors that I, you know, I, I love dearly. The movie stars Dan Stevens, Richard Ethel, Paul Higgins, Bill Milner, um, Katrin Aaron, Josh Weldon, Ross O'Hennessy, Gareth Pierce, 
uh, Iron Heffen, uh, Reen Morgan, and you've got Michael Sheen in this movie as well. Um, the synopsis for this one is, In 1905, a drifter on a dangerous mission to rescue his kidnapped sister tangles with a sinister religious cult on an isolated island. I loved this movie. This one made the previous viewings of some of these movies this week totally worthwhile. Now, I will say that it is two hours and ten minutes long. Well, some people have complained about the length of this movie, but in contrast to The Lodgers, I would say that this movie is the epitome of what makes a good slow burn horror movie and that it really doesn't give that much away uh, and just slowly gets more sinister, more creepy and more disturbing as the movie goes along as opposed to trying to throw out bits and bobs, paper throughout the movies, jump scares and all the rest. This movie got weirder and weirder the longer it went into. It is very much a folk horror in the great tradition of British horror cinema. It evokes things like uh, Blood and Satan's Claw, The Wicker Man, Witchfinder General, and at the same time, it introduces whole hefts of Lovecraftian horror which tickled me in places I did not know I could be tickled. Um, the central casting of Gareth, uh, Gareth Evans has done here with Dan Stevens uh, and um, Michael Sheen are absolutely brilliant i mean just in a way that just made me very 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 happy um and our central villain whose name escapes me at the moment is going to annoy me there's a guy who clearly becomes a villain in the last third of the movie is fucking great he's loathsome to the point that both myself and my wife when watching this movie just wanted really bad things to happen to him really really quick uh, you kind of get a grasp of where you think this movie's going and it takes some wonderful twists and turns. Um, there is a, a couple of uh, very brutal fight sequences in here, which you would expect from Gareth Evans. Um, the cinematography is amazing. The score in this movie, oh my god, whoever scored this movie knocked it out the fucking park. Um, I, I absolutely loved it. Uh, my biggest wonder on this movie was that I think had this been released in cinemas this month as well as being released on Netflix this could have done a roaring trade I kind of feel like it's a shame that it didn't get its way out there um, I thought the kind of Lovecraft elements towards the end worked brilliantly and I there is a scene in here of torture on a character which made my jaw drop in its, its brutality and the way it was shot made it more visceral than it actually was um, and I kind of loved it. I thought I thought this was an excellent movie. In terms of Netflix grades for Apostle, it's five. This is maybe going to top out my list uh, of 31 of October this year. I, I genuinely think this is, is you know, it's up there with Incident in a Ghostland. I think it is pretty fucking incredible and Calibre as well. These three are the three horsemen of the apocalypse of my 31 of October. Absolutely loved Apostle, can't say enough good things about it. Five out of five and it's available on Netflix. <laughs> Oh, 
有没有发现？那我们抓他到底干嘛、啊？Switching back to our Shudder um, for a little Chinese horror movie this time. This is Mon 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 Monsters, uh, directed by Guidance Co. Uh, the movie stars, uh, I'm going to butcher so many names, Eugene Liu, Kent Tsai, uh, Yu Kai Ting, James Lai, Ming Tao, uh, Bonnie Ling, uh, Carolyn Chen. And some other folks are in here. Synopsis is listed on the IMDb as a group of teenagers capture a man-eating monster. I hated this movie. Oh, right. It's not a complete shit show. This will not get a fuck this movie. So I will focus on... I'm going to focus on what I thought the movie did well. And what I think the movie should have done better. Because I think there is a great idea in here. Uh, it just loses something in the way it is executed. So I thought the movie looked like a lot of money had been spent on it. I loved the makeup effects on the monsters themselves. I loved the gore effects in this movie. And I love the idea of this movie that the monsters are actually the children themselves and not the monsters that they have kidnapped. What I did not like about this movie is particularly execution. You're stuck with almost manga-esque over-the-top caricatures of real people who are completely reprehensible. This movie reminded me of Dead Girl in a way that I wish it didn't remind me of Dead Girl. It's like the woman, but without any of the, the craftsmanship and any of the actual... The ability to tell a story. It is essentially horrible kids doing horrible things to... Uh, ostensibly a child monster. Torturing the fuck out of it and giggling like little schoolgirls all the way through it for a good 85% of the movie and the message is lost. This idea that the monsters are actually not the monsters themselves but the kids doing these horrible acts is just lost. It's, it's buried in, in, a, in an inability to, to put forward uh, a viable template of what you should be trying to take away from this movie. It just really, really, really upset me in a way that annoyed me more that I was getting upset by it but and that might be the intention of the movie but then 
you have to levy things out at the end and it doesn't really do it uh, when the characters are getting their comeuppance it's not nearly as graphic as it should be for the torture that they've inflicted um, and it just felt like an excuse to do some really horrible shit on camera and I can't get behind that regardless if it's there is something lost in translation or not uh, between the Chinese way of telling the story and the way that I perceive it uh, my knowledge of Chinese, modern Chinese horror cinema extends maybe to Dumplings, which I think is glorious. Uh, I think it's a really fucking excellent uh, short as part of the, the three extremes. This is just not good at all, and like I say, there's clearly a lot of money being spent on it, and they've clearly went out and got, uh, you know, well, actors who can act. You've just put them in a horrible position to make a, a movie that just makes me hate everything and everyone about it um, yeah like I say it's not a fuck this movie this movie lands a 1.5 out of 5 for me which surprised me because the trailer for it looked a whole hell of a lot of fun and the movie just did not deliver at all on, on anything that I want to spend any time watching as a, as a horror fan and a cinema goer this made me kind of feel a bit disgusted to call myself both so it's a 1.5 out of 5 Mon Mon Monsters is available on Shudder. You're the first people I've seen. The first people who are still people. What's the count left on them? 46 hours, give or take. They're setting out hunting parties. If you want to give this baby a second chance, you just stay away. What's this? Just making hay while the sun shines. The sun's not shining, babe. I'm not gonna hurt you. Promise you. Let's help each other. This way. We gotta find the clever man. If you're sick, he can give you good medicine. If I don't make it to the hills, you're all I've got. You can't lose hope. Any girl you need to be worried about is your own. when things get back to normal. That's not gonna happen, is it? I don't think normal's on the horizon. Which brings us to our final movie, movie number 14 on the list. Uh, I saw this on Sunday the 14th, and this was Cargo, available on Netflix. Um, Cargo is the second big zombie horror movie that Netflix acquired this year. Uh, it came at about the same time as uh, the other one they did, which was Ravenous, uh, which was a movie I loved. This one is an Australian horror movie um, directed by Ben Howling and Yolanda Ramke. Uh, or Ramke. I, I, I don't know how you pronounce her name and I apologise. Uh, she also wrote this. 
Um, the movie stars a pretty good cast here. Martin Freeman, Anthony Hayes, Susie Porter, uh, Karen Prestirius, uh, Chris McQuaid, Natasha Wanangi, uh, Bruce R. Carter, some other folk. Uh, synopsis for this one is, after an ep- epidemic spreads all over Australia, a father searches for someone willing to protect his daughter. Um, I liked this movie quite a bit. I thought this movie had a lot of heart and a lot of soul. Um, and it's a, it's a bleak movie. And I kind of knew where things were going. And it, it was a sad, sad story. Uh, one that kind of uh, leaned into the spiritualism of uh, the kind of Australian outback and the Aboriginals um, or Aborigine people on an indigenous Australian people. Um, I'm not entirely sure which one is least offensive. Uh, what I will say is it's an hour and 45 minutes long, which is long for a zombie movie. Um, and in my negatives for this movie, it felt long. Uh, there were a couple of sequences that really kind of laboured around. And I will maybe put forward that I think it's because the filmmakers really wanted to capture that Australian scenery and really do justice to that and I think they did in some respects and didn't in others um, I don't think this movie is necessarily reinventing the wheel although they do quite a lot which I like um, so with it being maybe not the most original movie that I've seen that maybe chalks up slightly more negative points against it that being said, I thought the casting was a stroke of genius. I thought Martin Freeman was excellent. His two horror movies this year, his performance have been flawless. This and Ghost Stories. I thought, in fact, all the casting right throughout the movie was really well done. I thought the story was really well done. Um, I loved the practical effects. I thought they were great. Uh, the zombie effects themselves were brilliant. Uh, there is an idea of them being kind of like ostriches that I really enjoyed as well. Um, this kind of bury your head in the sand thing that they do, even the way that the zombies are created, the the stages of of the zombification, I thought were really interesting as well. Um, they have a particular uh, device in here, which is like a Fitbit that gives them their time down and a device on how to kill themselves, uh, which had been passed out to members of the public, which seems very morbid, but I I, I really liked that. Uh, I thought it was a cool little spin that they put on it which felt like yeah governments might actually do this if an outbreak happened of this description so i really enjoyed that as well uh it reminded me of walkabout the nicholas rose movie a movie that i i I love deeply which um to me is one of the best movies set in australia to to give you a, a a feel of the outback um and it, it reminded me a lot of that uh, in a lot of good ways uh, it was very reminiscent of that one uh, Nicholas Roche did it better though um, and that you should never be ashamed if, if you're told that um, and yeah I, I, like I say this movie didn't really spring any surprise on me it had a very touching heartwarming ending which I really liked and the, the kind of death of uh, Martin Freeman's character I thought was handled really, really well, and it was a, it was a, a nice kind of crescendo of sadness to a movie that had already set up quite a lot of a bleak tone throughout it. Um, yeah, it's a great movie. You should check it out for sure. Is it better than the Ravenous? No, Ravenous is the better movie. Uh, I genuinely feel that Ravenous is like one of the best horror zombie horror movies I've seen in a while, um, and I can't 
a lavish enough praise on it. But this is another Australian horror movie that I think does a whole hell of a lot right and I'm glad that it has found its place on Netflix and its audience over there as well. In terms of a score for Cargo, it's a 3.5 out of 5 for this movie as well. And that wraps out our, um, our movies 8 through 14. Um, so quick reminder, you can check out The Devil and Father Amorth on Netflix. Uh, you can check out Stillborn on Shudder, Selfie from Hell is on Netflix, The Lodgers is on Netflix, Apostle is on Netflix, Mon 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 Monsters is available on Shudder and Cargo is available on Netflix. Um, we will be coming back in a week's time and we will be looking at the next seven movies on my list which are The Devil's Doorway, Crucifixion, Day of the Dead Bloodline, Wildling, The Mouse, Halloween, uh, I remember you. Those are the next seven movies on my list. So keep your eyes peeled and ready to rock on those ones. I'm going to take my final break and when I come back, I'm closing the show right after this. You're listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. And you've been listening to the podcast Under the Stairs. This has been bonus episode 110, looking at movies number 8 through 14 on my 31 of October list. So there we go, another 7 movies drop. Another 7 to go and then we only have 4 left and we're gone. October has left us again and we have to start the countdown all over again till we get back to October and sharing that Halloween fun. Unless Halloween is always in your heart, like it is with me, I carry it everywhere. So every day is essentially Halloween. There is a multitude of ways to check out podcasts under the stairs. As always, I say come across to Apple Podcasts, subscribe to the feed. That way you get the shows as when they drop and access to the entire back catalogue of Teapot's content. Do not stop there though. Leave us a rating and a review. Ratings are super important. The more of them we get, the higher up the iTunes charts we push for new listeners to come across and find us. And reviews are very quick and easy. If you're listening to us on that platform, you can do it. It, whilst listening to the show it takes a couple of minutes it's your words to new listeners eyes as to why they might want to check out the show it's the best way to support us over there and it's not a lot to ask that you leave us a little review over on that platform also word of mouth pimp us to your friends pimp us to relatives pimp us to people that don't know us tell them to check out podcasts under the stairs ladies and gents it's as simple as that to do word of mouth you can check out the show on Stitcher, Smart Radio, SoundCloud, Google Play and the TuneIn app. You can come across to our website, it's tputzcast.com and like I said at the start of the show, you can click the merch tab there or go direct to the merch page which is tputzcast.bigcartel.com You can buy posters, Harry Pugs, uh, the T-Pugs pins, enamel pins over there as well as the Basoween pins. There's only 20 of them left and when they're gone, they're gone ladies and gents throws a few shekels that money comes back to support what we do under the stairs you can visit our social medias facebook go to facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash teapotscast that is our group page that's where the activity and the chats for the community happen over there we also have a facebook page that's facebook.com forward slash teapotscast that's where the live streams happen the thursday thursdays it's connected to instagram and our merch page over there so come and do that Interact with the bars on the twin prongs of social media sexiness. Instagram and Twitter both can be followed at TeapotsCast. Right, I'm going to leave you. Bonus episode 111 drops on Thursday. Look in at the Shudder exclusive Satan Slaves. 
And until then, wherever you are, whatever the time zone is, and whatever you're up to in this big bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from under the stairs, and I am signing off. (laughs) 